0: section 98 of russia austria hungary the balkan states and turkey this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the world's story volume six russia austria hungary the balkan states and turkey edited by ava march tappan section 98 the last of the Janizaries eighteen twenty six by Morris Yokai. The Janizaries became more and more savage and lawless until they were hardly more than a ferocious band of assassins. Several Sultans tried their best to reform them, but to no avail. Sultan Mahmud II was determined to reorganize his army on the European plan. BUT THE JANIZARIES WERE EQUALLY DETERMINED THAT THIS SHOULD NOT BE. THEY REVOLTED, THEY BURNED, AND THEY SLAUGHTERED WITH THE MOST HORRIBLE TORTURES ANYONE WHO DARED EVEN TO MENTION ANY CHANGE IN THE ORGANIZATION, THE EDITOR. THE SULTAN WAS STANDING ON THE ROOF OF HIS PALACE, WHENCE HE COULD VIEW FAR AWAY THE SPREADING SCARLET GLOW OF THE CONFLAGRATION WHICH LIT UP THE NIGHT WITH A TERRIFYING GLARE whose fiery columns were reflected in the black bosphorus. Panic-stricken fugitives spread the report that the surroglio itself was in flames, and indeed it looked in the distance as if the fiery waves had reached its cupola towers. Mahmud spent the whole night in prayer. Two hours after midnight a horseman arrived who had forced his way through Stamboul, his good steed collapsing as it reached the cypress grove of Bakishtash. The horseman himself demanded an audience of the sultan and was instantly admitted. A bright momentary ray of hope was visible on the face of Mahmud as he recognized the horseman. It was Tomar, now the Akinji Feriki, the bravest warrior in the three continents of the Ottoman Empire. When Mahmud had quitted the Seraglio, he had picked out sixteen young horsemen from amongst his retinue, and left them behind in the palace, with the injunction that if a rebellion should break out in Stamboul, which was pretty certainly to be anticipated, they were to cut their way through the enemy and bring him word thereof. Tomar alone had arrived. The other fifteen had been killed by the rebels. HE HAD CUT OUT A ROAD FOR HIMSELF AND CONTRIVED TO REACH Bakistash. THE DRAGON HAS RAISED ALL THE TWELVE HEADS, MY MASTER, SAID HE TO THE SULTAN. NOW IS THE TIME TO CUT THEM ALL OFF, OR IT WILL DEVOUR THY EMPIRE. THE SULTAN, WHO GREATLY LOVED THE YOUTH, WIPED THE SWEAT FROM HIS FACE WITH HIS OWN handkerchief, AND BADE HIM AWAIT BELOW IN THE BANQUETING CHAMBER, AND WITH THAT HE RESUMED HIS DEVOTIONS toward five o'clock when the sun rose from behind the blue hills of asia in all its glory the sultan descended from the roof of his palace and commanded his servants and men-at-arms to form in rank in front of the palace all the fighting men he had with him were a thousand akinjis irregular cavalry and about as many horsemen silchidars division of paid cavalry and bostanjis bodyguards. Those who had seen his face but an hour ago were amazed at the change that had come over it. Its generally mild and peaceful expression had given place to a proud resentment and a death-defying audacity. He embraced his wife and the Sultana Aseki, and finally his son, the heir to the throne not a tear was visible on his face as he embraced his beloved ones they all noticed a new vigor flashing from his eyes he looked as if he were inspired he had no need now for anyone to encourage him as he held one arm round his wife and the other round his child he said to them and now i go my path leads me into stamboul "'Whether it will lead me back again I know not, "'but I swear that if I do return "'it will be as the veritable ruler of my realm. "'What will ye do if I perish?' "'The face of Mili'eva glowed at this question. "'She led Mahmud aside into the back part of the room. "'There the sultan perceived a large heap of pillows and cushions. "'If Mahmud perishes,' said the Circassian girl, enthusiastically. Those who love him will discover a way of following him. Yea, thine enemies, when they look for us, will only find our ashes here. Mahmud kissed the girl on the forehead. She was indeed worthy to sit at the foot of the throne. With that he descended into the courtyard, and they led his good steed in front of the arched door. The sultan beckoned to Tamar, to hold the reins while he mounted. Then he detached an agate from the heron plume that waved above his turban and fastened it on the fez of the youth, as he knelt before him. "'I name thee leader of the Akinjis, and now, whoever has a sword, let him show that he is worthy of our ancestors.' With those words the Padishah drew his scimitar and galloping to the front of his horsemen took the place of command. A moment later the little host was already on its way to Stamboul. In front marched the Akinjis with glittering bayonets. In the center was the Sultan with his suite. The rear was brought up by the horsemen and the gardeners. Every one of them was resolved to die honorably and gloriously. On reaching the city, the bold band met at first with but little opposition, for they came unawares. The rebels were weary from the exertions of the previous night, after putting out the conflagration the mob had set to work plundering, and towards morning the greater part of it had dispersed among the coffee-houses and other places of amusement. Mahmud and his aggressive band met with no opposition right up to the Seraglio the streets indeed were thronged by a noisy mob but it made way at once before the serried ranks of the ikinjis none insulted the sultan by so much as an offensive word on the contrary cries of admiration were audible here and there men were astounded when they beheld the padishah appear with a handful of armed men amidst the raging tempest and permitted him to enter the gates of the seraglio in peace the shout bursting through all the doors which resounded for some minutes from the inside of the palace announced to those outside what courage the appearance of the Sultan had instilled into the hearts of those of his warriors who were shut up in the seraglio. Karamakan, full of amazement withdrew the bulk of the rebels from the grand seigneur's palace and massed the janizaries near the Etmidian, where banners were hoisted side by side with the subverted kettles. At the corners of the streets the wild priests of Beltash continued to incite the agitated mob with hoarse cries, and from the summits of the minarets the horns of the rebels sounded continuously— only seizing at such times as the Imams summoned the people of Osman to glorify Allah about the fifth hour of the day. At the sound of the Namazat, even the furious popular tempest abated, only beginning again when the last notes of the call to prayer ceased to resound. Stambul was literally turned upside down, and the dregs were swimming on the surface. The confraternity of porters, the water carriers, the boatmen, all stood by the janizaries and swelled enormously the bulk of the rebels. Every mosque, every barrack was in their power. Even the towers of the Dardanelles had opened their gates to the Jamaqui, who were in alliance with the janizaries. The Sultan was shut up in his own palace. The Janizaries intended to carry the edifice of the sublime Porta by assault, and had, therefore, sent forth criers to the Jebeges, or camp blacksmiths, who were encamped with the heavy cannons on the grounds of the Mosque of Sophia, to invite them to begin the siege. The emissaries of the Janizaries, in brief, savage harangues, called upon the Jebeges to put their hands to the bloody work, the latter listened to them, but for a long time hesitated. Suddenly a shot fired from amongst the crowd struck one of the speakers, who fell down dead, whereupon the other Jevajees rushed upon the envoys of the Janizaries, cut them down, and flinging their severed heads into a heap, shouted, Long live the Sultan! And with that they proceeded in front of it and turned their guns against the rebels. Towards midday... Amidst strains of martial music, the Kapudan Pasha Ibrahim, whose nickname was the Infernal, arrived with four thousand marines and fourteen guns. A quarter of an hour later, were to be seen in the proximity of the Jolly Kiosk the overwhelming forces of the Grand Vizier Mohammed, who, under the protection of the night, had got together the hosts of Asia, which had always been opposed to the Janizaries. The Janizary Aga was there, too, with the Comparages from Tophana. The concentrating masses welcomed one another with bloodthirsty greeting. It was evident from the faces of the leaders that they were determined not to retreat a step on the path they had taken. The last hour of the Janizaries, or of the Ottoman Empire, had struck and now the gates of the Siraglio were thrown open and escorted by the high officers of state and the ulamas, the sultan came forth. The ulamas, the imams, and the officers of the army stood in a semicircle round the gate. The sultan remained standing on the highest step. There he stood in the full regalia of the padishahs, holding in one hand the banner of the prophet, and in the other a drawn sword. What do the rebels desire? exclaimed with a loud, penetrating voice the Sheik ul-Islam. Who rise up against Allah and against the head of the faith, the Padishah? The chief Mufti replied with unction, It is written in the Quran, If the infidels rise against their brethren, let them die the death. Then swear by the banner of the Prophet that ye will root out them who have risen up against me. THE VIZIERS KISSED THE HOLY FLAG AND TOOK THE OATH TO DEFEND IT TO THE LAST DROP OF THEIR BLOOD. AND NOW CLOSE THE GATES, COMMANDED THE SULTAN. AND IMMEDIATELY HE SENT ORDERS TO THE warders OF ALL THE GATES OF STAMBUL TO LET NOBODY, EITHER OUT OR IN. ONE OF THE OPPOSING HOSTS WAS NEVER TO LEAVE THE CITY ALIVE. LONG LIVE TO THE SULTAN, DEATH TO THE Janizaries! resounded from fifteen thousand lips in front of the Seraglio, The sultan would have led his army in person against the rebels, but his generals fell down on their knees and implored him, in the name of the prophet, not to expose his life to danger. Let him at least give his sword to the grand vizier that he might not soil it in the blood of rebels. So the gates were shut, the circumstance filled the hearts of the rebels with terror. They foresaw that this day would now be followed by another. The hand of indulgence, of reconciliation, now grasped the weapons of war, of massacre. They all assembled round the Etmaiden, pulled down the buildings in the street, and made barricades of them. It's a bad sign for a rebellion when it has to look to its defense. The forces of the Grand Vizier slowly approached amidst the roll of kettle drums. The Durban Aga appeared in front of the barricades of the Janizaries with the Sanjak-i-Sharif in his hand, and summoned the rebels to disperse and return to the allegiance of the sacred banner. The rebels drowned his speech in curses above the curses, rose the thundering voice of Karamakan hounding on the fanatical mob against the destroyers of the faith of Osman. Wipe out these new ordinances. Give up the heads of the godless ones who sign their names below the Kati sharif To wit, the Janizary Aga, the Grand Vizier, the Chief Mufti, and Nebjib Ifindi. This is what the Orta's companies of the Janizaries demand and their honest confederates the Jamaki, the kayikchis and the hamaluks who remained faithful to the god of the muslimin thrice did the durban aga summon the rebels to surrender and thrice did he receive the same answer they demanded the heads of the viziers mahmud's predecessor had on a similar request surrendered the heads of the viziers Mahmud broke his sword in two above their heads, and, throwing the broken pieces in the dust, exclaimed, Just as I now break in two this sword, and nobody shall weld it together again, so also shall ye be overthrown, and none shall raise you up again. The next moment, the cannons of Ibrahim the Infernal thundered forth their volleys from the Etm Den. The bombs tore through the rickety wooden barriers and through the breach thus made rushed Hussein Pasha at the head of the Ikinjis with Tomar Bey by his side. The appearance of the detested new soldiers was greeted by the Janizaries with a furious howl, but the very first moment convinced them that the bayonet was a very much more powerful weapon than the dirk. Tomar Bey, headed the charge in person, making a way for himself with his bayonet and clearing the ranks of the insurgents like a sharp wedge. On this side there was no deliverance, so now, with the fury of despair, the insurgents flung themselves on the guns of Ibrahim Pasha three times charging his death-vomiting batteries and thrice recoiling, leaving the ground covered with their corpses the terrible grape-shot mowing them down in heaps. It was all, all over. The flower of Bektash's garden vanquished, humbled by the new soldiers, fled for refuge to the huge quadrangular barracks which occupied the ground at the rear of the Etimedan. Karamakan did not live to experience that hour of humiliation a cannonball took off his head so cleanly that his body could only be identified by his girdle within the walls of the barracks the janizaries made ready for their last desperate combat it was now late ibrahim the infernal began to bombard the barracks with red-hot bullets and within an hour's time the whole of the enormous building was in flames those who were inside the gates remained there for there they were doomed to perish together. Amidst the roaring of the flames, their death-cries were audible, but the flames grew stronger every moment, and the cry of their mortal anguish waxed fainter. The generals stood around the building, and tears glittered in more eyes than one. After all, it had been a valiant host. Had been, those words explained their doom on that day twenty thousand janizaries fell by the command of the padishah those whom the bullet and the sword did not reach perished by the axe and the bowstring their bodies were given to the bosphorus and for a long time afterwards the billows of distant seas cast their headless trunks on the shores of countries far away these were the flowers of the Begtash. And so the name of the Janizaries was blotted out of the annals of Ottoman history. The wearing of their uniforms and their insignia was forbidden under sentence of death. Their barracks were leveled with the ground, their banners were torn to bits, their kettles were smashed to pieces, their memory was made accursed. THE ORDER OF THE PRIESTS OF BEGTASH WAS ABOLISHED. FOREVER. THEIR RELIGIOUS HOMES WERE DESTROYED, THEIR POSSESSIONS CONFISCATED. THUS CAME TO AN END A SOLDIERY WHICH HAD EXISTED FOR CENTURIES, WHICH THE WISE CHENDOLERY FOUNDED, AND WHICH HAD WON SO MANY GLORIOUS TRIUMPHS FOR THE OTTOMAN ARMS. IT WAS NOW unlawful TO MENTION ITS VERY NAME. END OF SECTION 98